Any views, thoughts, or opinions expressed on the Rejuvenating Health podcast are solely that of the speakers and are intended as such. Please contact your trusted medical practitioner for medical advice. Let's go, girls! I'm Shauna, and I'm here with women's health nurse practitioner, Lindsay Van Schoik. And today on the show, we have Kyle Stubbs, and Kyle is a coach for first responders. So this is really cool. We've never had anybody that does that on our show before. You're the first. Welcome. Amazing. I'm glad to be the first. (laughs) I've never been on the Rejuvenating Health podcast before. Look at this. I I love love it. it. Perfect. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what you do and a little bit about you so that our listeners can get a little bit of an understanding before we dive in. Yeah. So I'm up here in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, I am a husband, father, uh, two little girls, and a coach for first responders. So fire, police, paramedic, veterans, all that good stuff. And also a full-time police officer at the same time. So got a, got a full plate, yeah. but uh, yeah, we'll go into to how this whole thing started and, and uh, yeah, why it's worth it. Why it's worth having that full plate. Yeah. yeah. So all of our listeners know about Unlifted because we talk about it all the time and we've yeah. had Mark on and Kimberly on, <laughs> and we're constantly telling them to write down their stories and listen to their words. Yeah. And so how did you, I mean, this is how we got connected to you. So how did you get into this community? Yeah, I'll, I'll take you right back to the, the ground zero of it for me was back in 2017. I was, I'd been a first responder uh, for quite a while. I'd been a cop for about six years at that point. And but prior to being a police officer, I was a firefighter and a paramedic. So been through the, the whole gamut of first responder life and what that does to us. And was out on a date with my wife. And it was one of those, those dates that we've all been on when we've been in relationship for a while where it's just heavy and we're not connected there's there's a gap there and we pulled up to the house after the night and she i still i could feel the silence of it still and she just straight up asked me do you even know how to feel nothing nothing before that nothing after it just silence and being the the stereotypical guy i was defensive right away like hell yeah i know how to feel what are you talking about Mm -hmm. and just like totally acknowledged but not comfortable with go in there right. at that time. Uh, so that was the writing on the wall for me. She had the courage to, 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 to put it straight to me and show me that obvious that something, something was up and something needed to change. Otherwise this wasn't going to, we weren't going to keep going down this road. So that put me on the path of every self-development thing in the books, like typical guy response. Again, I, I was going to figure this out. I was going to fix this. Mm-hmm fix being the, the, the big word there, right. tried everything, did the, did the therapy. That was a really easy way I found for me to be able to, to control a conversation and, and take it however I wanted to take it. Right. Stay in that victim-y spot. Uh, I tried the journaling, the meditation, all those things that you're supposed to quote unquote do when you're in those spots. turns out that's one of the worst times that you, you can do those practices because I just wrote pages upon pages of being a shitty husband or being not the dad that I could be or whatever it might be. Meditation would just be a quick, okay, I can't stand this person's voice or they don't know who's this person. They're probably sitting, they don't even have stress in their life. Who is this person? That kind of thing. Then I went all the way down the path of trying extreme 
extreme fitness stuff. Like I was doing, I was always, I was always active, but I, I'd never been in a running race before in my life. Decided on a whim to, yeah, I'll run ultra marathons. That'll be what fixes me. (laughs) So signed up for a mountain ultra marathon, did one of those and was literally just running away from my problems. I, I thought that that was a big thing for me, but anybody that tried to compliment me on it or anything like that, I was the first one to, to shove that aside Mm. and not accept it, not push it through. And I remember not that long after running that race, I was in a spot where something happened. I think it was, I forgot to take the garbage out or some minimal, minimal issue. And I was in such a shitty spot that I literally just threw my phone across the wall because I was so frustrated or across the room into the wall. And just at that constant break point. Right. So that led me down. I, I found luckily again, leaning on my wife on this one. She had done some work with a yoga instructor and her husband was running uh, men's groups and online men's groups. And she put that to me and recommended I take a look at it. And that was about as, as far out of my comfort zone as possible. Like it was a bunch of yeah. yoga instructors and, and guys that were really advanced and in touch and, and switched on with, with themselves mm. And jumped into that program and I, I couldn't get enough of it. It was, it was eye opening to me to see that there was other guys out there that were dealing, dealing with the same issues, regardless of what their profession was, but that they came home and they couldn't really let loose. They had that block that they couldn't be a goofball with the kids or connect on a, on a real level, on a vulnerable level with their wife. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finding that was huge that, uh, that was enough to keep me keep me going and get me get me right there, right on the on the cusp of it. And then to further the story a little more, about a year and a half after that, being fully in, in ingrained into these men's groups and, and loving it, our youngest daughter was born, and she was born pretty premature. She was at thirty, just under thirty two weeks, and just a, a couple of pounds, tiny little baby. Was in the NICU for a bit and got out. And then after she had been out for about a week, they found a, a really big lump in her back, mm-hmm. right on her, right on her vertebrae. And I, Chell sent me a picture of it. And I knew what it was immediately that, it, well, I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it wasn't good, mm-hmm. that that was going to be something that needed immediate attention. So they had gone back to visit family when that happened. And within 10 minutes at the hospital, they were flying her back to Vancouver to the children's hospital, basically. Mm-hmm. And they weren't a hundred percent sure what it was, but they gave us the full, I left work. I had a great supporting like sergeant and corporal at that point. And uh, I just dumped all my gear literally in his office, gun, vest, all that stuff, and just took off and met them basically when they got off the helicopter. I was there. And they gave us the full story. Like Matilda might not make it if you guys need to be ready if this if this is what we think it is. And they were thinking it might be all all kinds of things. They really didn't know, but they had to go in and see what this lump was. Mm-hmm. So they did two neurosurgeries on her and they found out that it was an infection in the in the vertebrae itself oh. of some kind. And it turned out that it was a form of a staph infection, but they even they sent her blood all over the place, couldn't find it, couldn't find out what it was, and ended up being on IV antibiotics for about a month and a half. Wow. Yeah, until it all cleared up. So we lived at the hospital all yeah. this time. And we were doing it as in a shift with like a four-year-old little girl at the same time. Yeah. So Chelsea's at the hospital for 
12 hours, then we shift and I'm at the hospital for 12 hours and just rotate that. And as you can imagine, that was horrendous on the relationship and just trying to, trying to maintain that and trying to, to get a hold of everything. But while I was in there, I had this, this foundation behind me of these groups that I had been in this group of guys that I could legitimately be like, Hey, I'm I'm not doing very good right now. Like this is legit. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have those conversations and be, be invited to have them was something very rare. And I was very grateful to be able to have at that time. And that's what really sparked it for me was like, Holy shit, this isn't available to the first responder world. Mm -hmm. Like, our reaction to to stressful events, whether it's personal or at work in this circle right now is very reactive, very like drive the car until the wheels fall mm-hmm. off and then we'll fix it as opposed to getting it tuned up every once in a while. So that led me down the path of taking some training, all these kind of things like um, became a holistic lifestyle coach, uh, breathing instructor through the oxygen advantage and, um, just kind of diving as deep as I could took a mentorship with the guy who ran that men's group that I was in for about a year and, and everything was all lined up. So started my, my program. And then what I found the missing link was I met a guy who led me through some of that and lifted just simple word games that you guys have gone over with your audience. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys have got a ton out of, and it was like, Holy shit, that that's me. That's, that's what was holding me back originally before I saw before I got ingrained and saw that other guys were doing this, it was my, my self-talk was so against me, mm-hmm. so against me and so defensive. And I was holding on to these stories really, really tight yeah, and not letting them be ch- challenged or exposed. So once I opened that up, it just blew the doors off of it. Yeah. Yeah. So when your wife, you know, at the beginning, were you receptive or not so much? Cause I know for men, it's, I mean, it's hard. Uh, I was going to uh, say that too, like props to your wife for having the courage. Right? Yeah. To, totally. yeah. yeah. So I know like a lot of our coaches are like, Oh my God, these men's husbands, like they're just not receptive. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. But also like, it's partly the woman's responsibility because you're, you're bitching about your husband, <laughs> but are you having an honest conversation with him? So yeah. that's, Props to your wife for doing that because that takes courage to yeah. have that conversation. The approach has to be right as well, you know. Yeah. 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 And looking back on it, we we very well could have had that discussion a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that wasn't something that was. Oh, this last week has been really shitty. Yeah. That was like we were really good at just riding that mediocre curve mm-hmm. for a while, no peaks and valleys. Yeah. Right. And for a lot of guys, that's what that's. The, the inclination is not to work on ourselves until there's no other option mm-hmm. until we're at the bottom and there's, okay, this is, this is how we get out of here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that does come from like what you said from a, from a, the invitation to put it out there mm-hmm. and to, to be receptive to it. It's, it's really hard to be receptive of something when you've never experienced what the other side looks like. 
Right. No, for sure. So I was going to say, how, what would you tell women, you know, listening to this podcast? Like, how would you tell them to approach their husband or, you know, if there was an issue or something wasn't right, or we have a lot of women who want to join the program, but because they need to ask their husband for finances. So we try to tell them how to approach situations with their husband that would be, you know, help them to be a little more understanding or receptive of it. So do you have any advice? in that since you were on the other side yeah. oh, was I ever, <laughs> to be honest with it is the one of the biggest parts of it right and you guys have talked about soft talk in the past on the podcast those kind of things if we cake this stuff with soft talk it's not going to get fall it's not going to flow through mm-hmm. even when i look back to that conversation that chelsea had with me was if she would have padded that around and made it one big long thing as opposed to just the straight up question do you even know how to feel yeah yeah not 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 accusatory not not uh, wasn't instigating anything it was an honest straight question Mm -hmm. and we really lack that in our in our skill in relationship right and you guys have had jenny and eric on two of my favorite people in the entire world fantastic people and they're communication on this is spot on as well where it's it's speaking what i i refer to it as like the inarguable truth mm-hmm. so if you're if you're if you're having that tension with your with your partner especially if it's a guy mm-hmm. and like we talked about there the temptation for on our side is to fix right away is to cuz that's what we're raised seeing the the stereotypical guy on TV is the guy that fixes mm-hmm. things or the whatever we watched our dad fix everything when we were kids and instead of saying like, hey, the way you're acting is not okay or what it, something like that, as opposed to the way that we've been in the relationship lately has really left me just feeling gross. Like, Yeah. I, I can feel it in my stomach or I'm really tight in my throat and I'm having trouble actually speaking this. Mm-hmm. You can't argue when we speak that way. You, it's not accusatory. It's not, it's not argumentative. It's, it's honest and it's straight. You can't. You can't deny that somebody's feeling a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So when we, when we're able to communicate on that level and take it down to the very minute, even if it's a hard conversation, we don't even know where to start. Start with that. And breathe while you're I having got, the I got conversation. A lot of, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. A lot of tension in my chest. I'm having trouble even wanting to have this. I want to have this conversation with you, but I'm having resistance to have it. Mm-hmm. But then it's a, it's a, we know where we're at. Yeah. So I know you talked to us, um, about the breath work stuff and what, what you've learned from that, you know, that, cause we haven't dove down that on the podcast yet. And we mm-hmm. preach it to our clients. Like you have to breathe and you have to make sure that you're not staying up regulated and all that type of stuff, but yeah. they get sick of hearing it yeah. from us. So I feel like hearing <laughs> it from someone else who's like actually been through coaching on it too. Like we, like we haven't been through any training like that would be super beneficial yeah. to dive down that kind of path. Yeah. If anybody can just remember that, and it's again, to hark back on what gets taught through that enlifted method as well, even though it's not a breathing method, but high and tight brings the fight, low and slow brings the flow. It's very, very accurate. And when we're stuck in this, quite often we're all, especially men, we're running around like there's a, a tiger in that bedroom beside us, mm-hmm. even though there's no there's no tiger over there. We're, we're in that fight or flight response, even if it's a little bit. And when we're in that fight or flight response, 
we don't have the ability to unlock the breath, to breathe effectively in a way that can bring us back down into that parasympathetic state, mm-hmm. right? We're just stuck in that spot. So breathing, actually feeling a diaphragmatic breath for a lot of people is, is quite a challenge because we're very used to using these accessory muscles up in our shoulders and our necks and being in, from being in that constant fight or flight state. Even if anybody listening out there, if you can think of your last, your last 24 hours or your last week, how often have you found yourself with a clenched fist or that fidgety foot that's just going a mile an hour? Mm-hmm. Right? That's an indication that we're riding that, that fight or flight response. Okay. And we can switch our breathing as, as simple as just taking your fingers, finding your ribs, putting a couple fingers below that, and then trying to move those fingers out with the breath. Think of the breath as being horizontal and low. And once you start to feel that, you can actually move off of it. So less is more quite often in, in breathing when we're wanting to down-regulate. There's a really big popular shift in the breathing world right now is to up-regulate the breathing, to do the the fun, the, the Wim Hof breathing, yeah. the big, heavy uh-huh. movements of air. I'm really focused on the down-regulation of the breath to, to bring us back to that spot where we can have those conversations. Or if we're in the first responder world, to approach that situation not in that like we're 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 switched on we're there but in a way that we can both listen and communicate effectively because mm-hmm. we can't do that from that heightened heightened breath fight or flight state yeah and there's a there's a a way that a lot of people can unlock their breath really simply cuz quite often if we're if we're used to being in that spot it's really difficult for us to to have that ability just to switch like it, it, it is a skill that we need to learn or can learn. And that's as simple as a practice that I refer to as shaking. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Anybody can do this at home. Just stand up, close your door. So you get a little bit of privacy. It's not one you want to do in the middle of the office or anything like that, <laughs> but just stand up, let your arms go nice and loose. Let your arms hang by your side, feet shoulder width apart, and just balance on your heels up and down on your heels. Really simply do that. Take some nice deep breaths while you're doing it. And then just notice the difference. They do that for 30 seconds or take five or 10 deep breaths while you're doing that shaking and really try to loosen up, get your shoulders tight or loose because everybody wants to be all scrunched up when we first Mm -hmm. do this. And then just watch what happens with your breath after that. Mm -hmm. Because we got to move that stuff. And that's one that anybody out there, if you're, if you're a mom and you're trying to make dinner on time and your kids are losing their you know what, in the yeah. next room or they're fighting and you can't, you're right on that edge of like, okay, I'm either going to snap, I'm going to, I'm going to lose control mm-hmm. or I, I don't know what, I don't know what my other option is. Right. There's o- always, always an option. If you catch yourself in that spot of like, Hey, I'm going to lose my shit here in a second. <laughs> Excuse yourself. Go, go to the bedroom for 30 seconds. This doesn't take long. It takes a minute. Mm-hmm. If that, and just watch, just watch what happens. Just try it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good tip. And then you don't need mm-hmm. to have anything special. You don't need to buy anything to do it. You just, no. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We're so, we're so disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. Speci- and the guys especially is just being able to resource back to ourselves and, and realize that we have the ability to, to change how our reaction is to things. Like, and I say this during workshops all the time when it's not first responder based, is that it's it's not our 
it's not it's not the situation that creates the the big stressor to it it's our reaction to the situation mm-hmm. you take this back to like an ice bath for example if you go into that ice bath and you're shut off and you're tight and you're locked up and you're not breathing and your self talk is i can i can't do this i'm going to die it's going to really suck it's going to be horrible however long you're going to stay in there for 90 seconds 2 minutes whatever or if you go in there and you intentionally breathe and you shift that breathing and you get that nice diaphragmatic air moving in and out and you have that self-talk of like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I got this. Yeah. I think that's yeah. totally different experience. Well, that's something you can carry over to tough conversations too. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. It's the same. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's another way to help you become more in tune with yourself and your body. We've talked about that numerous times. Just so many people aren't in tune with their body, you know? So if something doesn't feel right, they don't even catch it right away because they're just not in tune. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's awesome though. There's a, a a practice that, that I teach to the guys that take my program and I call it looping when we're listening, when we're having those hard conversations and we touched on it there earlier where it is the inclination of the guy and quite often the woman too, to fix whatever's going on in that conversation and whether or not that is a conversation that, actually needs support to fix something or it just needs to be one that we just sit and listen Mm -hmm. whatever one it is quite often we'll find when especially if we come home from work or our partner isn't at that same spot that we're at and we're we're in that really heightened state still we're really activated and our partner wants to to un not yeah unload something onto us have that big conversation but we don't quite have the ability to match them and listen at that moment and even if we do, this the practice of looping is just on your inhale, focus on you. Focus on what you're feeling in your body, what's going on. And on that exhale, you're focusing on what's 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 going on with your partner. What are they saying? What are they communicating? Mm-hmm. And it's a really simple loop. And you can see how long you can hold that loop for back and forth. You're not and your partner's obviously not matching your breath or anything and they don't even know that you're doing it mm-hmm. right it's not not really a two-person exercise if you're both doing it oof, lights out for <laughs> awesome conversations yeah. yeah but if you can match if you can just if you're having trouble if you're struggling in that moment to really listen just try that looping practice where you're inhaling and you're just focused on what's going on with you okay yeah i'm getting a little defensive about what's going on here Mm-hmm. or whatever, or I got some tightness in my chest now all of a sudden. So there must have been something in that. And it gives you a chance to breathe through whatever that conversation is. Because quite often when we think that we're listening, we're just waiting to talk. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I that I like that, though, because it gives you the opportunity to self-reflect. Because yeah. we might not be the one that necessarily caused the issue, but in the conversation, you know, we could be adding gasoline to the fire because of how we're responding. So that's a really good tip as well. But I think that's like going into that conversation, you know, how we had that conversation with Jenny and Eric. I had to do this with my husband earlier. I was talking to him about something and I was like, I'm going to have a conversation with you, but I don't need your advice. I just need you to listen. Right. Like setting those expectations. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Every all the ladies listening, every guy would greatly appreciate that heads up. If that's, yeah. If, if, if you just want to vent, just be okay. Can I just, can I vent for five minutes with you? Yeah. yeah. My husband cool. thought that and was it, great it, too. He yeah. Was like, wow. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, my husband, like, especially when we start talking about business, he wants to like chime in and give advice. And then I get defensive and then the whole conversation yeah. derails. And cause we both own businesses and I'm like, so I have to, we have to both set boundaries. Like I'm not looking for advice. I'm looking to vent cause we both want to fix each other's problems. And then it just makes us frustrated with each other. So we have to make sure that we go into yeah. the conversation. Like this is what I'm wanting out of this conversation. Cause if you don't say that, then yeah. you don't know the other person doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Or the, just the importance of the conversation, right? Like my, uh, maybe you're, it's an issue that your kids are having at school. And for one of you, that's like an eight out of 10. And for the other one, it's like, ah, four, I got through that in school. I'm not really that worried about it. Mm. Being able to just acknowledge like where you're both at on that, how important it is to you is huge. Yeah. Yeah. We have, I mean, we have that too. Like it is important that my kids get straight A's to me. Like I got straight A's you're going to go, like, you know, where Matt's like, oh, I got C's yeah. in high school and blah, blah, blah. It's not that important. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 He's like, I married the girl that got straight A's. Yeah, exactly. So what do I need exactly. to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. But men and women are so different. You know, I mean, just like that same conversation that her and Matt could have, I feel like her and I could have it and women could read it easier. Like what a woman wants, but men and women are just so different that those little tips really, really help in the long run. Yeah. And what, what you do as women that very few men are able to do is, is to cultivate that relationship and to be able to have it at that point where you guys can do that mm-hmm. and you can be able to read off of each other and, and know like, okay, yeah, Lindsay's needing to vent right now. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to come in and try to fix this. Yeah. And what we're really good at is, going over and having a couple beers and watching the football game or whatever, whatever it might be really surface level social stuff. Mm-hmm. Really good at that. Really lacking in the actual connection side of things. Like the statistics are out there of the, the average man under 40 has two close friends that he can go to mm-hmm. and over 40 it's zero. It's like 0.6 or something like that. Friends that you could actually go to and be like, Hey man, life's falling apart. I need some support here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's huge truth in that. Like, Matt says that to me all the time. He's like, I don't have a Shauna, Lindsay. Like, you're my, he's like, you're my Shauna. Like, I don't have a Shauna. I feel so great. (laughs) And you, and you, and you signed up for that when, when you got married, but you didn't sign up for everything. You didn't sign up for, to be just the only sounding board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, we, we would be well served as a society to, to as of men to foster those relationships and find them and then go and stick with them. Like some of my closest friends now are guys that I on paper, no business being really good friends with. Like when you just, if you just looked at the stats kind of thing, like, and some of them, some of them I've only met in person a couple of times, but it's through like these online men's groups and stuff like that, where you, foster these connections and then you have the ability to to use some of this technology for good versus just pulling us all away from disconnecting us it can really connect us like the say marco polo that app where it's a video messenger where you actually just hold the phone up and talk Mm -hmm. and to have a communicate open communication with somebody through that is awesome but there's a, a, a an old saturday live skit that i encourage you guys to look up if you haven't seen it before and it's called called the i think it's called the man park 
Okay. It's like a dog park. The oh. whole the whole premise of it is yeah. these wives taking their husbands to a dog park. Oh my gosh, that's but there's funny. no dogs. It's just it's just a place <laughs> for the men to run around. Yeah. And it's shockingly accurate. Just it's on YouTube. You can find it real easy. Okay. SNL man man. Be like husband preschool. It's, I feel like it abs- absolutely. And they're kind of standoffish at first, and then some of them will be like, "Hey, you like Tom Brady?" Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, "Yeah, I love Tom yeah. Brady." And then they're like best friends all of a mm-hmm. sudden, and they're super connected. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And there'll be some that are like, can only like talking to their wife that are stuck over here and they won't go and communicate with anybody else. And yeah, it's, that's a very similar picture of what it actually is like out there. Yeah. I did want to touch base too. First of all, before I ask this question, how is your daughter? We didn't like finish that. Fantastic. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, totally <laughs> perfect. Yeah. They, uh, they never actually found out what it, truly was mm. they'd sent her blood all over the place trying to find it they believe it was a staph infection of some kind yeah but they did have to shave out of the vast majority of one and a half vertebrae that had just basically rotted away from this infection wow. yeah and uh no she's great she's just a little monster oh good five-year-old monster wrecking ball yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> love it Okay, well, I do want to touch on, too, because we have a lot of medical professionals that are in our program, whether it be nurses, doctors, you know, EMTs, all of the all of the above. And I that is a very stressful work environment. And obviously, you know, from being a police officer. So what advice would you give to these people in the medical field or first responder field? How do you make that separation from work to home? Because it's Mm -hmm. a lot in the mindset. You know, you see a lot of things. So I imagine mm-hmm. that would be very hard to not be shut off. Yeah. 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 And it, it it's, a, it's a really easy trap to fall into in that and just holding on to everything and not processing it. And well, I'm sure you've experienced the, the typical stress response for a lot of people is to, to basically become addicted to, to working out or whatever, like how I did with running was just run it all in there. And it doesn't actually go anywhere. It's still there. Mm-hmm just doesn't get worked on, right? We're just depleting that nervous system even more and more. So a, a big one for first responders is to start to notice kind of wh- where you're at, where you're where you're operating at. If you're, I refer to it as a, a thing called above and below the line, where if you're in that, re- you had a good block of shifts and you're up here, you're in that kind of life is happening for me instead of to me aspect. That's a good time. Yeah, do what, go and have the, have the dinner party or do the, social thing or that big ex- whatever you wanted social event you want to do or that connection with your partner, whatever it is. But if you had a really rough block and it was just bad, bad call after bad call or rough patient after rough patient, whatever it is, and you're really in that stuck and suck below the line spot, alter your days off because of that change to a way that we can, we can, we can, put that behind us and then start to move back up again. So whether that's simple, really simple things, like I, I prescribed to that four doctor theory that Paul check teaches of Dr. Dr. Happy, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Movement and Dr. Diet. So those four things of like being like, Hey, I need to focus on those four things right now to get my feet back under me. Mm-hmm. And then with some support, you realize like, okay, that one call, that one's, that's one that's going to stick. And we know as first responders, we know what ones are the ones that are going to stick and what ones are the ones that are like, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. That was just your typical one. It might've been gruesome and horrible for, and 
one that some people just breeze by, but there was one thing in there in that, in that call that you went to or that patient that you saw that really stuck with you. Mm-hmm. Take note of those and, and work through those. You too, being familiar with the Enlifted method, that has a lot to do with the story work side of things. Yeah, and, I th- and being able to to work a story, like a call as a story, huge for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely huge. And the people that I'm working with. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. going to help you with burnout too. Like I see so many healthcare yeah. professionals and first responders with burnout. And it's because, I mean, I worked in the ER, OB, like there's a lot of stuff that you see that people do not realize that you see and how bad a shift can be. Mm-hmm. But that is how burnout happens if you don't work through those things. Absolutely. And we, we're all familiar with that, uh, that analogy of like the emotional backpack of, of the weight of all the stuff that we see and all the stuff we experience through our lives. And as first responders, yeah, we're, going to be exposed to that stuff more than anybody else we signed up for this Mm -hmm. this is it's not not something that is a big shock like if they didn't disclose this to you in the interview then you knowing that you see ambulances and fire trucks and police cars flying around all the time should have alerted you to the (laughs) okay we're gonna see some shit (laughs) and being able to to work the stories like this like through that that the four-step method is literally taking something out, some call or whatever out of that backpack and putting it on the shelf. And I can still remember, I remember the the horrific calls of the baby getting thrown against the wall or whatever it might be, or the horrific car accident where the family's deceased on scene or whatever it might be. And I can physically, not physically, but literally take them out of that backpack, take the weight away from it and just, plunk it down on the shelf and I'll still think of it every once in a while, but it doesn't have that weight to it anymore. I'm not attached to it anymore. It's something that happened. Yeah. But I think, and being able to let that go is huge, but that wraps up to why, where we started in the initial part of this conversation, your ass, your wife asking you, do you even feel because yeah. Yeah. No, I'm dragging around this 700 pound yeah. backpack everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted all the time. I just don't know it. I'm just really good at dragging that backpack around. Yeah, for sure. And the other big part in that in that first responder sense of things is just being able to 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 realize that you're not you're not alone in that in any way whatsoever, right? Like that the whole the the theory of an iceberg really resonates for me when i think of first responders like you just see you see the little the nice photo of mm-hmm. an iceberg there there's a lot of shit going on beneath the surface mm-hmm. that we're not aware of and you might see that person there that they look things are going great for that guy but the second that he has to be alone with himself or anything like that it's a whole different ball game yeah And unfortunately, we do see it a lot, like, you know, the medical professionals or the first responders, like the lifestyle a lot of the times is unhealthy, you know, and I, I think they don't, maybe we're not putting the right things first and we're just carrying so much that we do have a lot that come to us trying to seek getting healthy because even though they work with people trying to get them healthy or help them, they put themselves on the back burner a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that, that's what they signed up for. Nurses, everybody you signed up to help other people, right? So it's really hard to be like, okay, I got to I gotta focus on me here. Nurses yeah. are the unhealthiest people ever. I'm like, they're probably not the unhealthiest people <laughs> ever, but I'm like, like, I remember 
of nursing and I'm like, holy moly. I mean, there's always a break room full of donuts and treats and, you know, yeah. no one's eating a meal and they're not sleeping and they're not moving. I'm like, whew, this is not healthy. And the, I mean, the healthcare doesn't help at all. Like the vending machines are full of candy bars and no, of like, course. the hospital cafeteria is full of junk food, but they're, yeah, not healthy. And it doesn't help. It doesn't no. help with the emotional baggage if you're not taking care of yourself physically. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you think of it from like a, the, all the first responders perspective, like you, you've experienced it working in the eMERGE before you've probably seen the, the triage nurse trying to communicate with a paramedic or a cop that's at the same burnout, yep. pissed off four in the morning level that they're at yeah. and trying to watch that conversation actually be effective in any way. Yeah. Like it's a, it's, it, it's a rough situation. But that being said, it's not one that we have to stay in. And when you recognize it, when you're like, yeah, okay, I'm, it's four in the morning. I'm a little pissy right now. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. But just say it. Just be like, hey, sorry, man. I'm, it's been a long shift. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being like, oh, this person doesn't get it or what, just angry and victimy and just shut off. Yeah. You're on, yeah. you're on the same team. Exactly. Yeah. You can use that a lot in a lot of situations though. It's funny. I just said that to my oldest son the other day. I was like, Brody, you're allowed to feel this way, but I need you to explain to me why it is you're feeling this way because I can't help you if that's what you want. If you don't explain to me without being crabby and giving me attitude, you know what the issue is. You have to talk to me. It's mm -hmm. okay that you're feeling this way, but you have to explain, you know, and he's like, okay, mom. But I'm trying, you know. <laughs> you, well, and sometimes that's all we can do is put the invitation out there. Yeah. 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 Put it out there enough, it's going to respond at some point. But, like, that's the token response for most men out there. How you doing? I'm fine. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. Feelings I've not expressed. Right? That's the... Yes. That's, that's, that's what it is. Definition. There's something in there. We well, we used to bust on my dad all the time. He always would say that everything was fine. He could be eating the best steak in the world. We're like, hey, how's your steak? He's like, fine. I'm like, it is not fine. That T-bone looks yeah. great. It's not fine. It's great. It's awesome. We're not saying fine, uh, <laughs> but men do. You're right. Uh, it's true. Yeah. 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 And there's so much of that is just a. It's a. It's a block. And what I believe that block primarily comes from is all that unworked shit we have. Mm. And like, I, I really think of that stuff as like a monster and that monster takes up so much space, so much, it's so big that it just puts all that good shit in the shadows and we can't, we can't see it. We can't access it until we get rid of that thing. Yeah. So everything is fine. Just like, yeah, yeah. it's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What a crappy way to live. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we always, I'm asking my question, but, in the guy version because he's a girl dad he will know he okay. will know i feel comfortable with kyle okay okay so we, we always, always ask two questions yeah. yeah mine's serious nurse is funny but so if you have one piece of advice to give to our listeners what would it be <laughs> just uh, one that's the serious one i know hmm Pay attention to what Lindsay and Shauna have been saying about a lot of this, the words, the power of the words and those kind of things. It's a legitimate game changer. There's a reason why you've brought on several and lifted coaches into this and, and it's real and it, it gives you the ability to make a choice. And if we have the ability to make a choice on things, we can do whatever we want. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So Kyle, you have two girls. How old are your girls? First of all, 
Because your one was four back then. So how old are they now? Eight, eight and five. Oh, yeah. We're golden. Okay. So they watch movies, Disney movies, right, Princess? Okay. He knows okay. what you're going to ask. He's listening if, to the podcast. I know what you're asking. You just come out now. I'm going to ask, if you could be one <laughs> Disney prince, which Disney prince would oh. you be? Is that not what you were going to think I was going to ask? Oh, I thought you were going to go princess, too. Oh. But that's okay. I can work with Well, prince. you know what? I would love to hear both, actually, now both. that you've opened that yeah. door. <laughs> okay. Uh, Belle. If I was going to be a princess, for sure. Okay, because she's carrying. You Unlim- like un- unlimited books. Oh, she lives in a oh, badass yeah. castle. Yeah. She in the forest. Yeah. Her partner can turn into like a beast. You'd be a, it'd be awesome. It'd be great. Okay, I like it. Um, print or prince. Oh, that's that, tough. that is hard. Because they're I not forgot like, to ask Mark this one. But, I know, but the princes aren't like the like they don't get a lot of the story on them. Can I flip it? Can I be one of the seven dwarves? Sure. <laughs> Which one? Be like, Don't say dopey. Happy. Happy. Okay. Happy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got my crew with me. We live in the woods. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think a lot. Okay, Aladdin and Prince with. Eric, though, they were pretty cute. They were pretty nice. Yeah. Aladdin was the one that was really primarily on my mind. Yeah. But he was a fun guy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I love it, though. He's got a monkey and he can fly. So that's it. He's a I thief. still do have to ask Mark. Well, I mean, yeah, but it was a movie, Lindsay. Mark, Mark can join the seven doors with me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we we should just know. pick for Mark. What is the one dwarf? Yeah, movie? there we go. <laughs> All I can think of is Sneezy and Dopey and Sleepy right now. And I don't want to put <laughs> any of those three on Mark. So I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> Doc. He can be Doc. Because that was, you there, know. Hey, ah, there, there you go. go. Good. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, or like one of those old. But there's a. Is it Sleeping Beauty? There's a wizard in yeah. one of them. Perfect. Yeah. That could yeah. be Mark. Mark, if you're listening. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. What other problems we got? Let's solve the worst. <laughs> right. Well, hey, will you tell the <laughs> listeners where they can find you? We're gonna link, you know, your social medias yeah. and all that below the episode. But can you yeah. let them know? Especially like, if they what you put yeah. behind uh, and where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I run most of my stuff off my website. It's just my name, kylestubs.ca. It's the fancy Canadian version of .com. Yeah. And I run a 10-week all in, like all intensive program for first responders on there. Run them both either just as men or just as women. And occasionally do a mixed group as well. Uh, I also run one-on-one coaching through that and then workshops, both online and in-person. A lot of the the in-person workshops I'm running are about four hours long, and they're uh, what I refer to as like an in-lifted heavy workshop where we where we work stories in the group setting, mm-hmm. and they're they're phenomenal. So those those are basically focused on our breath, our words, and then we throw some ice at you at the end. So mm-hmm. super fun, super uh, super transformational, and just great. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but just basically is me perfect yeah yeah we'll tag that below and before we end actually i don't want to make myself sound like not you know very bright but i didn't realize that you didn't use dot com is that only a u.s thing it's not oh okay because i was like oh wait a minute kyle stubbs dot com was taken Oh, okay. I thought maybe this... out there lurking around somewhere. Oh yeah, but I thought that yeah. if you when you said .ca the Canada, I was like, oh my gosh, this whole time I've... they have a new internet. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, she's got the Elon Musk internet where she lives. I'm like, oh now Canada's God. a huge stock. Hey, so what's happening? Oh well, hers was horrible. Yeah. At least Elon's good where you are. It was not good for her. Yeah, he well he saved me. I, I... <laughs> 
I might not have the business if I didn't have Elon there in the last year. So our, our internet was so bad, I couldn't do a Zoom call. Oh, well, good. I'm glad he pulled through for you. <laughs> but this was really great and we really appreciate you coming on Thanks. and if any of our listeners um, want to find Kyle we are going to link all of his information below and if you don't mind giving us a five star rating and a kind review we would appreciate that as well we will catch you next time see ya bye